The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Here's a Main Street Vegan question for you. What's the hardest thing for you about being vegan? For me, it's knowing about the suffering. So much of it would end if really large numbers of people were to quickly move in a vegan direction. And it's frustrating that this isn't happening overnight Other than that, being a vegan isn't hard at all. There are some minor inconveniences. I often have to eat sorbet for dessert when I'm out at a restaurant or if I'm there for breakfast, I get oatmeal and some non-organic fruit. And if these are my worst problems, I'm the luckiest person who ever lived. I'm Victoria Moran, the host of this program and the author of the book from which I was just reading Main Street Vegan. In fact, there's a whole lot going on under the Main Street Vegan umbrella. If you'd like to know about more of that, please check us out at MainStreetVegan.net. And right now, today, we have a fabulous program. Although I accidentally told a fib last week when I said that our guests today were going to be the vegan bros. It seems that the bros have a new book coming out that they're not supposed to talk to until closer to its pub date. So we're going to have them on the show a couple of months from now. And it worked out so beautifully that today we can talk about somebody who has a brand new 
fabulous cookbook. In fact, she was just on the Today Show and Wendy Williams. She's been all over everywhere. And that is Janae Claiborne. The book is Sweet Potato Soul. We'll be talking with her after the break. And right now, what really worked out well for this timing was that someone who's going to be attending Main Street Vegan Academy in the spring, if you don't know about the Academy, it's a program that I run here in New York City in person. It's really for real, not an online course. How cool is that? And she was saying, oh, I know about this wonderful sanctuary in Indiana, and it would be so cool if you could feature them because they want to expand. They want to expand to a place called Freedom, Indiana. What a cool place to have a farm sanctuary. And I said, oh, my gosh, I do sanctuaries four times a year, and I think I'm pretty much done for the year. I've got them all scheduled out. Well, guess what? This opening happened. And I think that means that the powers that be want you to know about Uplands Peak Sanctuary. And Mark and Michelle Pruitt, who are with us today, the co-founders, they've been in operation there since October 2013. And big plans are afoot. Welcome, Michelle and Mark. Thanks. <laughs> hey. Thanks for having us. Well, I'm just so happy that this worked out. So you you are the first, and I presume only, uh, sanctuary in Indiana. How did you get the idea? How did you get started? Yes, um, we're the only farm animal sanctuary in Indiana. And basically what happened um, with Mark and I, we, you know, had been vegetarian for several years, and in May of 2011, I read a book um, by the co-founder of Farm Sanctuary, the first farm sanctuary in the U.S. and longest standing, um, and learned about, you know, what happened to animal, what happens to animals to end up on our plate, and immediately went vegan. That was, um, that was uh, Memorial Day 2011. So that kind of just, you know, woke us up to what was going on with farmed animals. And, you know, kind of like today happened, you kind of feel like the universe stepped in. Um, I think the universe stepped into our lives. And um, February 2012, we bought the property that is now Uplands Peak. Um, we weren't ready to open a sanctuary at that time. But purchased the property, rented it out for a year, got some experience, got our nonprofit paperwork in order, and then, um, you know, opened our doors in October of 2013. And now you want to be bigger and bolder than ever. So tell us about the Be Bold campaign. Uh, hi, it's Mark. So, um, yeah, we... Um, we kind of look at where we're at now. We have 20 acres, and we, but we only have about six acres of pasture. So it's like this is um, our farm sanctuary starter kit, we think. And so we want to we want to to uh, graduate to the to the main kit. Um, so we, there's a 105 acre farm in Freedom, Indiana, and you're absolutely right. Is wonderful and not planned that we found freedom in Indiana to move a farm animal sanctuary. Um, And it is, uh, like I said, so it's going to provide 60 acres of pastures. So we're going from 60 to 6. And so just space and conditions. We're in kind of a valley here. So with, um, 
you know, the recent rains that the world's been experiencing and and changes in climate, it's just gotten a little mucky around here at times. So we really, for, you know, just the health and well-being of the animals, we'd like for them to have more room, and we want to rescue more animals. Um, We're interested in expanding and taking on more species. Um, We're thinking about some rabbits and maybe some sheep in the near future. Um, And also, it's just, uh, we are in Indiana. Um, Freedom is about 35 minutes west of Bloomington, Indiana, which is where Indiana University is. So there's a couple of major universities within distance. um, And also, Bloomington is more of um, just a touristy-type town that tends to draw people anyway. and we're hoping to, you know, connect to that community and get uh, maybe people that wouldn't otherwise come here to come to the sanctuary. And we're close to Indianapolis, about an hour away, which is uh, uh, really great for us um, because those are all main areas of support for us. So more volunteers, more visitors, more donors, uh, just a lot of reasons why we want to move. Yeah, I heard something when you were speaking, Mark, that was really interesting, and I'm bringing this up because we're on Unity Online Radio. We're a Unity Partner Program. We're not talking about belief stuff. We're talking about veganism, and yet I know that you guys um, were part of, of Unity of Louisville for many years, and you spoke in the present tense about, you said, we're an hour from Indianapolis, like this is already a done deal. And that, of course, is one of the unity principles of seeing yourself where you want to be before you get there. So I have a feeling your Be Bold campaign is going to do very well. Now, you've already got um, uh, matching funds offered for up to $113,000 raised. And we will put the um, the URL for your campaign uh, on fundly.com. We'll have that on the show notes at um, MainStreetVegan.net. For anybody who just happens to be sitting around with a pen right now, that's going to be HTTPS colon slash slash fundly dot com slash peak hyphen is hyphen moving hyphen to spelled out hyphen freedom. And I know you didn't get that. We'll put it on the show notes. <laughs> so uh, we want to help you out. So tell us a story. Tell us an animal story about somebody that you've rescued who lives at Uplands Peak. Yes. Um, we'd like to share the story. We like to share the story of um, Lucy and Tulip, and um, Lucy um, is a young pig. She's about four years old, and um, she fell off of a truck, which is something that is pretty common with pigs, actually, because they're transported at a small age to um, larger farms to, you know, be fattened up for slaughter, and she was fortunate enough to fall off of the truck, and a passerby um, saw her and knew that she would, you know, one day be pretty large, which she's probably 550, 600 pounds to date. Um, So when Lucy came, she didn't really fit in with our other pigs, and um, as much as we tried, it just really didn't work. She was too scared and too timid. So she became friends with a few of our goats, um, Twiggy and um, uh, William at the time. And um, 
you know, we felt like she was pretty lonely. Almost all species prefers to have a companion, a BFF, that is their same species. So um, just a few months after um, Lucy came, another we got another call for a pig named Tulip, who um, was also um, rescued from a factory farm, and a family had taken her in. She lived in the house and once again became much too large to be in a living room. Um, she's, you know, again, about 550, 600 pounds. And so the same sort of story, Tulip had a friend, a goat, and due to the family situation, they had to rehome the goat, and then Tulip was by herself. She was very depressed. Um, when she came here, she was overweight, and you could just kind of see her eyes were lifeless um, and just her demeanor. It's kind of like she had given up and... Um, I was kind of a little emotional because one of the things that we get to do at a farm sanctuary is see someone's transfer transformation and their healing. And um, the first day that we introduced Lu Lucy and Tulip, um, they just connected immediately. They were running around the pasture. Tulip was wagging her tail, which pigs do just like dogs when they're happy. And the two have been inseparable ever since. Um, they are the best of friends like any of us would have. They argue, they fight over food, they snuggle, um, they don't like to be very far apart from one another. And it's just one of those stories where, you know, we really got to see them blossom, but also just get to see the emotional depth of these individuals and, um, you know, witness their friendship and their companionship, which is also very sweet. It is, and just the fact that they have names and that you're talking about their emotional lives. I think if people out there who don't think about this kind of thing would just stop for a minute and get it, that that the, the richness of life isn't just for one species. I think if we could wake up to that for 10 seconds, the whole world would change. Yeah. And and sanctuaries like yours really, really do an amazing job in helping people come to understand that. So for people who are already uh, vegan or moving in this direction and really care about animals, why, why should they visit a sanctuary or why should they volunteer at a sanctuary? Well, um, you know, we really think it's uh, it's interesting doing what we do, and you know, you're you look at your Facebook every day and the the vegan community, and and you know, there's a lot of sadness among people uh, just because they are just overwhelmed and and feel helpless about the situation of animals, and um, you know, they they sit there all day seeing all the horrible videos and reading everything so negative. And, you know, one of the things I think it's important for any cause, and especially veganism, is to really, you know, the best antidote for that feeling is, you know, I think activism. So it's it's really coming to a sanctuary and, and, and helping the situation and being involved. And it's just and, – and you instantly see – another side of the picture so you see another um, situation where animals are actually being cared for they're running around and doing what animals do naturally um, and they're living the good life so it really is just it's kind of a, a booster shot I think um, 
to to be part of the good and kind of fill up your cup and and just you know be a help to the animals. Mm, that's so wonderful. So, what about sanctuaries? I think a lot of vegans are out there saying, "Ooh, someday I want a sanctuary." And yet I know that they have grown at a really rapid rate, probably more rapidly than the donor base that supports them. And I know that a lot of young sanctuaries don't make it. And then they have all these animals who need to go somewhere else. So what would you tell somebody who is sitting at their desk today daydreaming about the country life with a lot of rescued animals? Um, Well, I think someone that's kind of daydreaming about opening a sanctuary, I think the most important thing that someone needs to do is volunteer regularly at a sanctuary to get a feel for what is really involved. Because, um, you know, I think for us, I mean, it's not someone that something that someone can tell you. I think you have to be in it to kind of know the vastness of it. And also, you know, you don't have to open up a full-fledged sanctuary to help animals. You can adopt a few animals if you have, you know, a half an acre, an acre of land, um, and you can help in that way. But I think the biggest thing is, like you said, there are a lot of sanctuaries that do start up and that end up, you know, having to close their doors, and then the animals do have to be rehomed. So I think for every sanctuary that's out there, if all of us could help them in some way, that um, they can do what they do best. Um, And then, you know, as a volunteer or a donor or just someone spreading the word on social media, you also get that gratification that you are helping. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so excited that you've uh, been able to come on the show today. The website, listeners, is Peak. Uplands, plural, U-P-L-A-N-D-S, peak, P-E-A-K, dot org. They are Uplands Peak Sanctuary on Facebook and Uplands Peak Sanctuary on Instagram. We will put all that on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So please, please help if you can, a little bit, big bit, um, to get these animals and this lovely couple over there to freedom. <laughs> to do even even more wonderful um, life-giving love for some animals and the kind of education that is going to save the rest of them. Thank you so much, Michelle and Mark of Uplands Peak. And um, I hope the next time we talk, you tell me you've raised all the money and uh, you're packing up to move. <laughs> Thank you so much. You are ever so welcome. And everybody else, stay with us. We are going to talk about some good, good food with a really bright young woman, Janae Claiborne, Sweet Potato Soul. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio 
1-800-242-72727. Thank you for your support. Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Das, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to unity.org and click on Publications. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan program. So happy to have you here. If you're a regular listener, you know that every now and then I have an advertiser. Haven't done too much of that. And what I want to tell you about now is something, this is not an advertiser, but I want to be always so upfront about everything that I do. And I want to tell you that I believe so much in this product that I have become an affiliate. So that means that I have a a code. And if you put that code in, then you save 10%. And I get some kind of cut from that. And I don't even know how much it is. And the fact is, I love this product so much that I would totally tell you about it, even if they had not asked me to be an affiliate. In fact, that's why they asked me, because I was telling everybody, (laughs) they said, don't you want to be an affiliate? So just to be totally clear, I'm an affiliate, but I'm going to tell you about this because I think this is just the coolest product ever. It is called Compliment, C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T. And what is so cool about it is that it provides the three nutrients that people argue with vegans about, and rightfully so, one being vitamin B12, which we just absolutely need. Those early vegans in England, some of them did so, so well, and some of them died 
And that was because they didn't know yet about vitamin B12. Well, we know now, and in deference to them and to take good care of ourselves, we need vitamin B12. Vitamin D3, you used to couldn't get it in vegan forms, and now you can. Um, Most people probably need that. You can check with your doctor about your vitamin D levels. I know I certainly need it because I'm always wearing hats and gloves and umbrellas (laughs) to take care of my skin. And then the fully formed omega-3 fatty acids, DHA, and EPA. You know, we can get ALA, which is an omega-3 fatty acid, when we eat flax and walnuts and chia. And yet, nobody really quite knows how well any particular individual translates that ALA into these usable forms that are so good for the brain, the heart, really necessary in prenatal nutrition. So, This product gives you all three of those things in a spray. Seriously, you just spray it in your mouth, six little sprays, and that's it. When I found out about this product, I was actually worried about my husband not getting DHA EPA because he just doesn't swallow pills. He could get the chewable, you know, B12 and vitamin D. He just wasn't getting um, the fully formed omega-3 fatty acids. Well, now he is, and that's because of Complement, which was um, formulated by uh, Pamela Ferguson, who's the wonderful PhD RD, who's appeared on the program, and also uh, Matt Frazier, the no meat athlete that I know a lot of you follow. So if you are interested and you want to get some of your very own and try it out, I made a tiny URL to make it easier for you to uh, get where you're going. And it's V, that would be V for Victoria, loves compliment. But I spelled loves, L-U-V-S. Um, yeah, tinyurl.com slash V loves compliment. And if you put in the discount code Main Street Vegan, you get 10% off. Okay. I don't sell stuff. My mother was a great salesperson. I think it skipped a generation. But I really do love this stuff and wanted to let you know about it. So thank you for that indulgence. Without further ado... May I introduce not only someone that I admire tremendously because she really is the real deal, but someone that I'm also very proud to call a friend, and she is Janae Claiborne. Her brand new, absolutely exquisite book, oh my gosh, the photographs alone are worth the price of the book, and then you get into these amazing recipes, and it's just heaven. (laughs) culinary vegan heaven it's called sweet potato soul 100 easy recipes for the southern flavors of smoke sugar spice and soul from vegan chef blogger and youtuber janae claiborne welcome to the program thank you i'm so happy to be here Well, it is absolutely splendid to have you you're just somebody that i admire so much now Tell everybody what you were doing when we met and what your life is like now. Sure. Well, I've always been a big admirer of you, Victoria. Uh, And we met when I was working at a vegan restaurant in New York, Peace Food Cafe. And you were a regular. I saw you eating there and we met there. And back then, I totally... I I don't know. I I had no idea that I was going to be doing what I'm doing now back then, but I was still very passionate about, you know, this lifestyle. So I was interested in turning it into something, but I didn't know what it would be. 
And what started? Was it the blog first for you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, okay. So I started the blog before I became vegan. I was always in love with food, always loved eating, always loved cooking. Um, so I started my blog almost around the time that I started working at Peace Food. That Peace Food was it has meant a lot in my life. I think working there also inspired me to start the blog because I was surrounded by food. And then I became vegan a year after. So the first year I was vegetarian, had the blog and there's some, you know, vegetarian recipes, but I was already experimenting in vegan cooking, baking, all those things. And, um, yeah, so I became vegan in 2011, turned the made the blog fully vegan. And also at that time I started my YouTube channel just for fun, just as a hobby. Um, but yeah, now, now I've been doing it for quite a long time. So you are sweet potato soul everywhere. That's how we can find you. Okay. How brilliant. It's it's you, and yet you and your alter ego are just yeah. so compatible, so Thanks. compatible. So <laughs> when you said you had always been into food, you had a kind of culinary guru in your childhood. Tell us about her. Yeah, my grandmother, my nana. Uh, she is certain. I love that you called her a culinary guru. <laughs> that is so perfect because she is such a foodie, loves to eat, loves to cook, loves to be in the kitchen. Even if she's just in the kitchen, cleaning the kitchen or just like standing in the kitchen, she likes the kitchen. And I'm definitely like her because I always saw her being in the kitchen and being so happy and being able to express herself and to you know, she she loves feeding people um, and, of course, feeding herself. So the kitchen to me, since I was a little girl, since before I can remember, has always been a place of love and comfort and and just joy and creativity. And she is an amazing cook. She Everything she makes is delicious. Um, so, yeah, I always and I always love to eat her food. So that really inspired me early on to love food and love being in the kitchen. Now, you used four beautiful words to describe her kitchen, and you said love, comfort, joy, and creativity. Mm. And I'm sure that's not everybody's memory. So what would you tell somebody who doesn't have those kind of food memories from growing up? How how can we start making them in adulthood? Mm. Well, I actually had my, my, my grandmother's you know, kitchen, which was amazing. And like I said, all those words, very positive. And I lived with her for, from the time I was, I think, four to seven or eight, her and my, my, and my mom. But when my mom and I moved out, my mom bought her own home and we moved out. And my mom was a single mom. My mom does not like to cook. So our kitchen in my mom's house was, it was more of just, I just, I remember like we needed to wash the dishes. Like I remember almost like grunt work. I remember it being a little bit darker, not as full of life as my grandmother's kitchen. So I had both growing up. Um, but when I moved out of the house and I, you know, got my own kitchen for me, it was very important to start, you know, experimenting with different ways of cooking. I I was, I became vegetarian, so I wasn't going to eat the same things that I grew up with in my grandmother's kitchen. And I think anybody can do that. I think you can create your own traditions and your own, um, kitchen, uh, kitchen, like positivity, kitchen feeling by 
experimenting, spending a little bit more time in the kitchen, having fun in the kitchen. Maybe you don't really love to cook, but you really want to start cooking. Maybe you can pair cooking with listening to music or, you know, having a podcast on or trying new recipes or experimenting with different preparations or taking online cooking classes in your kitchen. There's all these different ways where you can, you know, use what what you've got and what you like to and start to bring that sort of positivity into your kitchen. Oh, I love it. Now, mm-hmm. I know that you're living in L.A. now, but yeah. when you were in New York, you used to actually do food events in your home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say that about some of the stuff we do around here. It's like, yeah, we do this in my home. And I think people think of vastness, you know, like out there in the rest of the country. Home in New York City for most people mm. is a compact place. <laughs> but, you know, it never seemed like that. Right. So, Tell, tell me about what what does it mean to have people come in and eat your food? Ah, it's so wonderful. It's so satisfying. Um, yeah, you, you've been to my home in one of those, those dinners. <laughs> but, you know, even in a small space, you can really, like you said, it's the vastness. You can make it large, but you could fill it up with love. You can fill it up with joy and happiness. You don't really need that much space. And the fact that we lived in New York city and, you know, we have, we have to make do with what we've what we have in our, you know, tiny spaces to me, that's inspiring. And that shows that anybody can make do and use what you've got to cook, to serve others, to, you know, to bring more, you know, community and light into your home. Well, you certainly know how to do it. And these recipes, I think, could do it for anybody. One of the things I love about this cookbook, Sweet Potato Soul, is that everything turns out perfectly. You have that chef gene. You just, you're one of those people who can look in a crisper and see a banquet. That's a gift. And yet you don't have any recipes where the list of ingredients go on and on and on. There are never more than three or four steps to take. Now, is that part of the style of cooking, this traditional Southern soul food cooking, or is this just part of being Janae? Uh, I think it's a mix. I mean, it's not as elaborate and difficult, say, as like French pa- making French pastry, and it doesn't take as many steps. Um, but it's definitely a mix. For example, if you're making the etouffee or the gumbo and you're making a roux, the roux does take a little bit of time, but it's, 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 it's basically you're just standing over it or making grits. They're very, very simple steps, but they might on some occasions, like those ones I just said, they might take a little bit more time. Um, but in the South and in like soul food cooking, that time is, to- I mean, it's totally fine to have that. It, there's The idea is to not hurry through your cooking. It's more to enjoy the process, um, you know, use that time in the kitchen to, you know, be with yourself, be with your loved ones and sort of like slow down a bit. Um, but yeah, we don't, I don't want there, there are traditionally, there are not that many like steps and like difficult processes in soul food cooking. But like I said, sometimes it does take time. Um, but I want people to, you know, be okay with that. But, but of course there are very, there are very easy recipes in the book as well. <laughs> 
Well, I've, uh, the ones that I've tried have all been easy, and maybe that's Good. because that's the only kind of recipes I make. <laughs> but um, easy and really, really wonderful. You've got something in here called a Southern Buddha Bowl, and mm-hmm. I think I learned about Buddha Bowls from you. You know, really? now I guess everybody knows about them, but just yeah. in case there's somebody out there who was like I was when you told me about these. Tell us about Buddha Bowls. Sure. So Buddha Bowl takes on the macrobiotic principle of balance on your plate, in your bowl. So basically that means that in a Buddha Bowl, you'll have a whole grain, a legume, a starchy vegetable, green vegetable, fermented vegetable, not always, but often, um, and a healthy fat. And that balance is so perfect. I love eating Buddha bowls because you can just prepare like all your sweet potatoes, all your carrots, all your grains, all your beans ahead of time. And then throughout the week, you're just taking a scoop, putting it in a bowl, topping it with some sort of fermented veggie and some sort of sauce. Usually the healthy fat is in the form of a sauce. Um, but it's super, super easy. And it's, it's a great way to eat, especially if you are a little worried about not eating a balanced diet. That is like perfect balance right there. And, and so satisfying and so, so easy. I've gotten to the point now where if food comes out on a plate, I'm always just a tiny bit disappointed. <laughs> Me too. I always <laughs> want bowls. <laughs> Bowls are good. They're the best. So other than the fact that you've taken out the animal products, how does a sweet potato soul take on soul food differ from traditional soul food or what we think of as traditional American Southern cooking? Mm -hmm. Well, it definitely goes back to the healthier, more plant-based roots. So I, um, I was just reading... Um, Tracy McWhorter's new book. It's going to come out, I think, in the fall or the summer, but I had like an advanced uh, digital copy. Yeah, Ageless Vegan, which I love. uh, Right? (laughs) I am so excited about this book. I was telling Max about it last night. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I just read this book. But her mother, who's 80 years old, tells this amazing story of how, and this, I've heard this story from my family, my grandfather, my grandmother also, where they grew up in more rural settings. Her mother grows up, grew up in South Carolina, and then she moved to the big city, moved to D.C., and she, for the first time, started eating more fried food, less healthy food, because when she grew up, she was eating soul food, and she was eating very little fried food, a lot of fresh food. They had their own garden a lot of beans, whole grains. They ate very little meat and other animal products. And that was the norm back then. And it is until she moved to the city that it shifted. And so, you know, for me, I'm not really changing soul food or trying to make it into anything different, but more so bringing it back to where it came from. So fresh ingredients that are locally grown, or maybe you grow them at your own home, vegetables, 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 legumes, whole grains, just reclaiming that for, you know, for the cuisine um, and reclaiming what people think of as soul food. Because, you know, a, a big part of why soul food has been perceived as being unhealthy, fried, fat laden is it's all recent. It's very recent. And it's since, you know, the industrialization of the food system one, but two, also the great migration. So the movement, the migration of black people from the South into Northern and, you know, Western 
big cities where they, they weren't growing their own food anymore. They didn't have the space. They were living in apartment buildings and brownstones and townhomes and things like that. So and that was only, you know, within the last hundred years. Um, so this is new that we're eating this way. So I just want to basically take it back to where it used to be and where it came from. That is fascinating because I learned something similar when we traveled in China quite a bit uh, back in the 90s, um, my daughter and myself. And I was so surprised that Chinese food in China was a little bit like Chinese food in America, but it was really different, too, because it was, I mean, obviously, we were eating all vegan, so it was all vegetables, but even people that were eating meat, very little meat, mm-hmm. very much less fat. Right. Uh, it was a, a very much lighter kind of diet, and so I think sometimes uh, <laughs> in culinary translation, some of the helpfulness is lost. Right, exactly, and that's the case for all, almost all cuisines, like traditional cuisines. It, I have this great book, and I always recommend it. I love it. It's called Decolonize Your Diet. And it's a vegan, sorry, it's not vegan. It's a vegetarian Mexican cookbook written by two Mexican-American women from the Bay Area. And they basically, they'd study and the book is half recipes and half like scholarship, basically. And they write about the traditional roots of Mexican cuisine throughout the country of Mexico. Um, and even, you know, part of the United States that used to be Mexico and, and native people's diet and the foods that they ate. And it, they just once again prove that it's only till recently that in colonization that their food has become less healthful and they've started to develop all of these, you know, same as the black people here in the United States. The, we blacks and Latinos have the highest, we suffer the most, um, disproportionately from the top killers in the United States. So heart disease, cancer, diabetes, stroke, all those things <laughs> because of our diets. But this is not, these, these poor diets are not innate to or innate to our, our culture at all. It's so mm-hmm. recent. Oh, that's fascinating. I was talking with uh, Dr. Garth Davis. Maybe it was on the radio, maybe Mm -hmm. not, but he is a bariatric surgeon. So he works with people struggling with morbid obesity. And he talked about a patient who was from Ghana and Mm -hmm. she came in and said, I have this weight problem because I I eat so many carbs. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, you know, the traditional Ghana diet is so full of carbs And he said, well, what happens when you go home to visit? Do you gain weight? She said, well, no, I I lose weight. And he said, well, what do you eat there versus what you eat here? And obviously, Mm -hmm. she came to see that real natural carbs Mm -hmm. don't make people gain weight. They don't make people be sick. And so he was encouraging her to eat at home, (laughs) you know, in in the States, more like she eats at home, you know. In, in her uh, native country. Yes. Well, That's the way to do it. These recipes, oh my gosh, I'm going to make everybody hungry. So if, <laughs> if you need to eat something, just go go grab a little, little nibble because I'm going to tell you that when you get yourself your absolutely glorious copy of Sweet Potato Soul, you are going to be making things like tempeh bacon. That sounds so hard, but it's really, really easy. A sweet potato pie smoothie. Mm-hmm. I mean, antioxidants out the kazoo and fantastic. 
Harlem caviar. That is black-eyed pea salad. And you know I'm going to be doing that on January 1st next year. (laughs) Probably (laughs) bourbon barbecue sauce. Got to have some of that skillet cornbread. And Georgia pecan pie, because mm. you are a Georgia peach, Miss Janae. Right. <laughs> now, beyond your culinary interests and, and your interests in, in animal issues and all the great things that you stand for, you have recently started studying something called mycology. What on earth is that? <laughs> so that's mushrooms and the study of mushrooms and fungus and oh my goodness i am just so fascinated i'm not setting it on like a formal level but that's it's one of my hobbies watching youtube videos about mycology and i do say take some you know mushroom supplements also and just you know just experimenting with different ones and not even just the mushrooms that you can eat that are medicinal i'm fascinated by just fungus in general. Like when I see a when I see a, a piece of fruit that started to you know grow mold and quote unquote go bad, I'm fascinated by it. And before I would look at something and be like something like that and be like, oh my god, that's disgusting, get it out of here. But now I want to look at it a little longer. I'm just so interested, you know, by what's happening there. Wow. Well, it is part of a life process. Absolutely. In terms of the healing, so I've heard of a few. I've heard of chaga mushrooms. I've heard of cordyceps mushrooms and certainly in Chinese medicine and and other um, healing traditions. These are said to be important for certain things. What do you know about all this stuff? Well, yeah. So those are great ones that I know of also reishi. And then the culinary ones are really great too. So maitake, shiitake, um, oyster mushroom. There's so, I mean, there's so many different uses and it's interesting. I found that, you know, we know a lot of, a lot about mushrooms through Asian cuisine and culture and Chinese medicine, but also Eastern European culture and, and, and medical traditions have used mushrooms a lot. Um, but I'm also interested in, so obviously in the United States, we aren't as exposed and even just like in the, the like Americas and like really not the Americas, United States, Europe, like the Eurocentric, um, cultures of the world. We're not as, um, we don't know that much about what type of mushrooms they're using say in latin america and south america the indigenous people there or in africa or in you know wherever else in the world so i'm super interested to learn more about how mushrooms and fungus are being used whether it be for medicine or for culinary uses or anything in those parts of the world as well um Oh my gosh, it's just, it's just so fascinating. <laughs> and so somebody who might be interested in this, um, what, where do we look? Is there a website of what, what's, uh, give us some mushroom source materials. Okay. So what I like to do is I'll just Google. So say for instance, I'm at the store. Well, first of all, there's a brand of, um, it's called host defense. They make mushroom supplements basically, but they're, Basically, they distill the mushroom, the the properties of the mushroom down, and they they offer tinctures tinctures that you can mm-hmm. put 
under your tongue or in your tea or your water or whatever, or pills that you can just pop, you know, take them like a normal pill. And they're really great. The cell wall's broken and it's, they've basically extracted the properties in the way that your body can best absorb it. So that is a great, um, it's a great company that I buy a lot of the mushrooms from. However, the man who started the company is a man named Paul Stamets, and he's an actual mycologist. He's a scientist of fungi and mushrooms, and he has so many talks. If you search his name, Paul Stamets, on YouTube, or you can even you know put it in the iTunes app or or just Google him. His talks will pop up, his books will pop up, and he has been studying mushrooms for decades and decades and has come, you know, had all these different discoveries and he's published, he's a published scientist and he's worked at like huge, um, um, like government groups and universities and so much. So he's my favorite source for mushroom knowledge and his company is my favorite source of you know mushrooms that i would buy for like medicinal use cool well we'll look him up (laughs) so janae on a whole other topic yeah you have really and deservedly so gotten the grand uh, book tour treatment for Sweet Potato Soul. You've done a lot of TV lately. I I mentioned earlier that you were on the Today Show, Wendy Williams, you're on Hallmark. So, And you also have a really um, outstanding YouTube presence. So talk to us, talk to anybody who's interested in getting out there more in a video kind of way. Um, Tell us how to be good on TV. Ah, (laughs) well, I did go to school for acting, so I think that was helpful for sure. And being comfortable in front of camera and, you know, just presenting, that was helpful. Um, But really, if you want to be good, just practice. Nobody starts, I don't know if anybody starts out. I mean, I'm sure some people are just naturals, but even naturals have to refine the way they present and the way they communicate on camera or in front of a group of people. And you only get better at that by practicing. So if you're interested in doing, say, um, YouTube, then start by making YouTube videos. If you don't have anybody to help you, start by filming yourself. That's how I did. I mean, not by filming myself, but Max, my fiance and partner and I, we just started filming videos and we weren't worried about, oh, this has to be perfect and we need a million people to watch this. We were just doing it because it was something that we found enjoyable and I like being on camera. He likes, you know, being a videographer. Um, so yeah, start with where you are. And of course, you know, not, not, don't be too critical of yourself, but see where you could grow and then approve upon those areas in yourself. So how about cooking in front of a camera? Uh That seems like a different kind of skill than acting or just being interviewed. It really, really is. So you definitely have to be able to multitask because you're cooking and say, if I, like when I was on, um, say the Today Show <laughs> or even more, a little bit more stressful, the Wendy Williams show, cause that's a live audience. <laughs> Very, I, this is the first time I ever did anything like that. Like hundred people in the room clapping and watching. And of course all the people on TV. Um, but so you have to be able to cook. You have to be able to pay attention to 
the person you're cooking with. So it's usually a host in a situation like this. And you have to be paying attention to your time because on a show like that, they're only going to give you a couple, you know, four to maybe seven minutes to, to do your thing. So it's very much about multitasking and also just, just being in the moment. You can't be worried about, Oh my God, how am I looking? Or, Oh no, I think this thing is burnt. It's like, it's just, for me, I think of it as kind of just like a game. I'm just having fun. I'm doing my thing. I'm paying attention to those three main things, and that's all that matters. A, a very good advice, and I think it works for YouTube as well. I mean, oh, YouTube absolutely. really, it, it's sort of like uh, do-it-yourself uh, media training. Well, yeah. And you know, that's why YouTube is such a great place to start. So, you know, for me, I've been making these YouTube videos for, you know, what, seven years now. And especially more consistently in the last two years, we've been every week we put out a a video. And so that's definitely prepared me for when I go on TV. So I'm more comfortable with what I am doing. Like I'm comfortable with my recipes and my cooking skills. And then once you have that confidence and that comfort, then you really can take that anywhere. And you have taken it to Los Angeles. Yeah. So just uh, <laughs> tell it, what's the difference? What, how do you see the difference between East Coast and West Coast veganism? Wow. So living in New York and being vegan, I felt like I knew all the vegans. I'm sure I didn't. But, you know, the vegan clique, there's like, there's like one really strong vegan group and we all know each other, but here I can't even keep track. I really can't. There's so, it seems like being vegan is, it's not so much a thing. It's just more of the norm. And there's all these different like vegan groups. (laughs) So I, I truly can't keep track. There seems like there's a vegan event every week. There seems like everybody's either just vegan and living their lives and, you know, they're not like a vegan professional in any way, or they're a YouTuber, an Instagrammer, a blogger, a chef. Far more diversity in the vegan crowd here. Fascinating. And has your diet changed at all? Do you eat more lightly because you're in a place that's warm most of the time? I don't. I don't think I eat more lightly, but I do eat more fresh food because we shop at the farmers market more often here. Well, and that to me would just be the the heaven on earth. I remember it is. Um, I, I um, used to know Dr. Doug Graham, who in fact is going to be on the show coming up in a few weeks. And some of you know him as the 80-10-10 diet. But um, years ago, he had a health retreat in the Florida Keys. And he had turned the front and backyard and a little cul-de-sac of a basic suburban house into a jungle that wow. grew every kind of tropical fruit imaginable. And I think for you in Southern California and, and people in places where that kind of um, propagation is possible, uh, <laughs> fabulous. That's so great. <laughs> now, so Janae Claiborne, if if uh, you guys don't know her yet, you just, you just have to. So <laughs> order yourself a book or go into the bookstore and then turn it over. And on the back, you get to see this beautiful woman inside and out. Her website is sweetpotatosoul.com. She's Sweet Potato Soul on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So gosh, you can go watch her right away. So just <laughs> 
last 30 seconds, you're getting married. Do you have the vegan yes. menu yet? Oh, not the menu yet, but I think we have the cater, though I can't say who it is yet. <laughs> we have to leave it as a surprise for our YouTube viewers and also the people who read my blog, but I think we've got the person and it's going to be amazing, delicious. I can't wait. Oh, I'm sure it is. And we wish you and your intended the most wonderful, wonderful life together. It certainly starting off with a bang. <laughs> oh, bless you, Janae. You're just such a, a great person. And everybody listening, I know if I knew you, I'd love you just the way I love Janae. So <laughs> thanks to Jeff, our uh, wonderful engineer out there at Unity Media Network. And to everyone listening, God bless you. Eat your veggies. You might feel so alone with your problems, you don't know where to turn. We invite you to call Silent Unity, the 24-7 prayer ministry, where someone is waiting to pray with you every day at any hour. Listen and relax as you hear the beautiful words affirm the highest and best outcome for you and those you love. No matter what's going on in your life, Silent Unity is always standing by. The toll-free number is 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Now available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With YouPray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With YouPray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. YouPray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free YouPray app and links to download, visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash A-P-P. A carpenter was working at a cathedral. He was laying tiles on the highest part of the roof and wasn't making an effort to do a good job. His foreman noticed the poor work and said, You'll have to redo that portion of the roof and do it right. 
The carpenter asked why. No one's ever going to see these tiles way up here. The foreman answered, God will see them, and God is very particular. Although other people may not see it, the universe is aware of your attitude. So are you. Your attitude affects every aspect of your life. If you change your attitude, you will change your life. Changing your thoughts helps change your actions and can result in positive changes in the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.